Hello again. Broadcasting from the underground bunker beneath Kansas City NPR affiliate 89.3, we are First Issue Club, the comic book podcast. This week, we have a trifecta of comics for you. The P. Fricks Tri, of course, closely tied to the symbology of pyramids, an illusion often not so subtly used by our nation's elite. Of course, the Illuminati have long been involved in all print media, just like comic books. You don't have to be enlightened to recognize this genre is being used by the upper echelon to regain control over Hollywood. Avengers just came out, obviously. For the comic books we're covering this week, I'm going to pass it to the other sheeple that I host this podcast with. Our books this week, all dealing with threats of the end of days. Barrier number one out on Image weaves a tale of our alien overlords. Venom number one on Marvel elicits ancient demons that walk the earth. And Fraggle Rock thinly veiled monsters as friends among us. Uh, We dive deeper on the implicit implications of these narratives on my other podcast, The Midwest Files, Conspiracies from the Nation's Heartland Weekly. For now, I'll hand it back to the sheeple I host the show with to (laughs) set up a question and uh, introduce ourselves. Oh, well, sheeple number one here. Uh, (laughs) So who is in the club today? And the question... What is your favorite conspiracy theory slash tall tale? My name is Greg Lichtai, and my favorite conspiracy theory is Momo. And if you don't know who Momo is, I it don't. is a, basically Missouri's version of Bigfoot. What? I never knew that. Yeah. So there's a lot of stories about this rancid-smelling ape-like creature wandering around. What is that lake down there? That's like Party Cove and all that. Ozarks. Oh. The Ozarks, Ozarks yeah. yeah. But that's my favorite because we have our own local legend, Momo. I love th- I love most of anything that you didn't remember Ozarks, especially since yes. it's a Netflix series because I think people picture us from the Midwest as being like, they mentioned us somewhere. I'm going <laughs> to hang on to that forever. Yeah. That's like uh, that's exactly why I didn't watch the Ozarks. Yeah, I didn't watch people it People wanted me to <laughs> yeah, totally. so badly. What do you think about a realistic take? I haven't seen it yet, really. I haven't either. I'm Mike DeStacey. My favorite conspiracy theory is that the government intentionally planted asbestos in our school systems to see the cancer-causing effects to use them as long-term weapons against our enemies. Cancer bullets? Like a new Tuskegee, Basically, you might say. That's exactly Ooh. right. My name is Caitlin Morasic. Mine is more of like a mystery, like Momo, instead of a cover-up. I don't know how to pronounce this. It's the Dyatlov Dyatlov Pass incident. These Russian hikers were going up the mountains, and they were an experienced trekking group. And then they, like, they basically found these people with like radiation damage, fractured skull, and nothing really was wrong. Like it was just during the night something caused them. They'd like teared out of their tents. It was like signs of like. Mass hysteria. The hills have eyes. Yeah, yeah. No, but they. You guys know what it is. It's Weapon H. Oh God. <laughs> Caitlin, listening to that, I'm shook. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. Completely shook. That's scary. Just me. another reason to stay in this bunker. <laughs> exactly. Uh, last but not least, up on our podcast for their introduction, this is a great debut episode for this man. Brrr, if I could get a drum roll, please. 
It's editor Matt. It's Matt Hodap. <laughs> normally, I, normally I cut out all the shit you don't want to hear from the show, <laughs> which is a lot. <laughs> no easy task, ladies and gentlemen. A grateful nation. Today I'm here to add to that trash heap. Hello, <laughs> foreshadow Fraggle Rock. Um, oh, conspiracy theory. Uh, Bohemian Grove, not a conspiracy theory. Look it up. What is it? It is a camp in California where every year all the richest people on the globe gather. Politicos, like... Very real. There's photos. Powerful. You can look it up. They mm-hmm. worship the god Moloch. Now, is that like Loki or Thor? No, it's more of a giant owl. Um, <laughs> oh, so more realistic. Gotcha. <laughs> they're that OVO style, so they're in with like, old Drake's old brand. Yeah, and they talk about, uh, you know, nukes, Bitcoin, what have you. So do you think that this meeting of the minds is like how they plan the whole year of what's going to happen to us lesser folk that record podcasts from a bunker? I think it's like long game. Can I ask you guys a question though? Go. Do you want to get this podcast (laughs) (laughs) Okay, first up is barrier number one. A five. It is out on image. Words and art are by Brian K. Vaughn, Marcos Martin, and Munsa Vicente. It's about violence. It's about language. It's about illegal immigration. It turns sort of terrestrial problems extraterrestrial toward the end here. It was amazing. I loved it. it. The story, the material was rich. It didn't even need that bit that happens at the end, which is pretty... I think you can call it a twist. It's safe to say it's a twist, but it doesn't even need it. So, like, when it happens, you're like, I didn't think this could get better, and then it got better, and it's just the genius team. Can I ask a question? How many of you speak Spanish? I do a little. Zero. None. None. But you don't need to. Not at all. So, uh, my partner... Lynette Miranda, shout out, love you. Um, Matt, you can cut that. (laughs) (laughs) She definitely speaks Spanish, and she's also very into comics. And when we got this book on Free Comic Book Day, shout out G-Mart Comics, Chicago, (laughs) she was like, oh, I need to translate a lot of this for you, because a lot of this book is in Spanish, if you haven't read it before. I knew the title was Barrier, and I was like, I don't want you to translate it. I kind of want to read it without understanding the Spanish, and that's kind of the point, right? right. Yeah. I think so. I fought that urge. And even, I wrote this specifically in my notes, the paneling mm-hmm. does enough context in some points. It's just oh, brilliantly so illustrated. I especially think the last maybe five, <sighs> ten pages of this are pure brilliance because we get these divergent stories that are... You know, two different people who couldn't be more apart or at odds. And then you just get different peaks into their lives visually that you're just like, the way you soak in the art from these five, six, seven pages, you're just like, by the end of it, you're like, fuck, we're all the same, right? (laughs) I'm like, I had such an experience. Like an existential experience, just like flipping through six pages of a comic book and not reading a single word. By the time you get to the end of it, like I said at the top of the podcast, I'm shook. 
What, uh, <laughs> what so Mike D is though. talking about is there? there's these six panels where you have the two main characters right. are sort of on the margins, on the left and the right, and then in the middle is just sort of drawings of the sky. Right. And so leave it to a comic book to be able to turn a platitude and like a stupid saying into something beautiful, mm-hmm. which is like we always talk about, oh, we live under the same sky. Like we all <laughs> live under the same stars, which when you say it out loud in normal conversation, you sound like a fucking idiot. Yep. But then when you have these two characters, I think we should say the main character lives in Texas and another main character is from Honduras. Alternate <laughs> genders, alternate races, like yeah. not the mm-hmm. same and, and looking at them that you would ever guess. So he's making his way to Texas, and we get these panels where it's showing each of them in their different settings, but there's, like, the the same sky that they're living under in the middle. You know, you look at it, and it actually affects you. Do you think that has everything to do with paneling and art and how it's portrayed and, like, how it's presented to you? Like, if it was done any other way, would it have worked? No, and like there's no words. Right. No one has to say anything. Mm -hmm. We can look at each page and look at the art and understand exactly what the message is. Right. This happens to me every once in a while in comic books where I'm like, no other medium can do what this medium is doing for me right now. There was a part during Watchmen, yeah, corny, it's always Watchmen. uh, For a reason. Where they're talking about like the, the way time moves and. Like, everything's one forever moment, and there's this, like, beautiful scene in the, in the middle of Watchmen. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, how the fuck would this ever happen in a movie or a pure novelization? I'm left with a couple questions. One of them is, why now? For people who may not know, Barrier 1 through 5 have actually been available, if you want to read them, on a thing called Panel Syndicate, which is Brian K. Vong's website where he releases digital comics. You have to look at where we are politically as a country and think, why release these physically now? He does talk about that a little bit, again, in the editor's notes, which I talk about a lot. But that's mm-hmm. because they give you so much good context. It's editor, Editor's about, notes are lovely. He talks about writing it I'm just pre-Trump. That's what he says. So I'm going to say it. He hadn't even announced his candidacy, and now as he types this afterward, as he's releasing it in a, in a weekly issue, he's like... This is even more important to talk about now, even Mm. though they wrote it Mm 2015-ish. Yeah, so one of the interesting things to me, thinking about language as the way that we interact with everything. It's the way we interact with our own selves. It's the way we interact with the world. And you kind of have to ask yourself, a lot of the issues that a lot of people are presenting involving immigration and where our country is going in the future, it's like, well, if we all spoke... Spanish or, you know, we're bilingual in some sort of way, would a lot of the issues that are being presented politically be as important? Would people be as afraid? Would people be as anxious? Probably not. It's no, a fear thing. No, you eliminate the unknown by doing that. Yeah. So it's inherently not as freaky. And I think there's a lot of fear in this comic. I mean, the first page, mm-hmm. we start off with like, a, not the first page, the third page, we started off with a photo of well, thank you for a, correcting like, that. <laughs> fucked up dead horse, skinned and it's yep. very scary. Yep. Head and, cut off. And I mean, why are we afraid? We're afraid because aliens might have done it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, oh shit! Uh, guys, though, can we just talk about BKV, Brian K. 
Vaughn? God of comics? He is able to produce moments in his comics that elevate to a level of high art that are above, that's a cool moment, or that's fun, or that's really interesting. He can take things to a level where, like, that is a beautiful artistic statement. So, but here's why I think that works is because he doesn't take the audience part for granted. It, nothing he does is overt where it's like, okay, I get what you're going for. Small clap. Like in Caitlin right here. Yeah. In Barrier, like you have to trust your audience, you know, and relying on his artists the way that he does is integral too. So, like it's, it's just a the, genius of him to trust other people. Yeah. That's from, I think, especially for people who've been reading comics their entire life and from an earlier age ventured into the weirder alternative stuff. I remember reading something when I was, like, young about, like, a guy's journey through masturbation in, like, a graphic novel. Stories like that just, you know, transcend. Yeah. Uh, or Love well, and Rockets. Isn't that another, like, yeah, stuff Gilbert, like that? Yeah, sure. Gilbert Hernandez. Yeah. Uh, was right. that masturbation story Blankets? <gasps> oh, Blankets. I love Blankets. Blankets is so Habibi. good. Habibi. Okay, I mean, So yeah. I think this is, the like, the Brian K. Vaughn question is, like, mm-hmm. we, we talk about things like, oh, Blankets. But then, like... We're reading Venom, Avengers number one, right? Like so. Yeah. So how do I, you how do like where's the bridge, right? Because you my, read certain things in a Brian K. Vaughn book, yep. or in Blankets. This is fucking art. But then how do you bring it back, and it's, how do you bridge that divide? It's the exact same thing as being a movie enthusiast. Yes. Like, yes. I yeah. I love you love corny B movies for what they are. You Expendables. Love, yeah, you love Expendables Rampage. for what it is. Slither. There's, I fucking like, love Slither. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think the unfortunate thing about comic books is that the majority of it is Rampage. You're it's, right. That You're right. That it's all just soap operas for boys that are super fucking corny and just like, let's get to the demolition part is like the climax that I'm waiting for. Like as deep as it gets is like stuff blowing up. Yeah. Bummer. These these are aimed at boys. Yeah, they uh, perpetuate or Harley Quinn like that's looking what the majority at Power Girls boobs. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly right. Yeah, uh, but there's there's a part of me who enjoys the campiness of a Venom romp, and then books that are like Barrier could have been a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I also think for Brian K. Vaughan, Always shout out to his collaborators. Mm-hmm. I, I think Saga is a beautiful, beautiful series. And I think Fiona Staples' contributions to that series go probably far beyond the art. Mm-hmm. And I don't think BKV would disagree with me on that. I'll say the same stories have been told a million, million times, right? The thing that changes are the voices through which the stories are told. And you get good authors even if they're writing the dumbest shit on earth, that's going to make you excited about that book. Um, I think comic books are like basketball more than they are like baseball, where like people follow particular players. They follow authors more than they follow teams. I get that. I I didn't give two shits about Silver Surfer, but when Mike Allred... Uh, did Silver yes. Surfer yeah. I yes. fucking followed so that fucking like a motherfucker good. that arc was phenomenal <laughs> like yep. Captain America I couldn't give a fuck <laughs> about Captain America but you tell me Tanahasi Coates is writing Captain America I'm there 
Yeah. Yeah, for I'm sure. I'm there for it. For sure. Same way. And on July 4th. Oh! I'm a huge... The poetic justice to that is... Really, truly. Beautiful. Yep. So... I really... <laughs> that's double. honestly like a great comparison. So we're just CB boys. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my like, God! Right, Jason Aaron just responded to us on Twitter about Whoa. his favorite barbecue. No, no, wait, no. No. <laughs> wait, are you being serious? Yeah, it's right here. Oh my God! Read it, read it, read it. it says, Podcast moment. It says Joe Joe's KC always and forever. Uh, Isn't that what we pegged him? Yeah. yeah. Or Sarah? Uh, I think Sarah did it. We all said Oklahoma Joe's. Someone oh, okay. tried to say Gates. Tingling. I, I'm blushing. I feel so good <laughs> about blushing. myself. I can't feel bad. I feel so happy. You guys all did that. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's making the podcast. I love it. And from Arkea, we will be covering Jim Henson's Fraggle Rock. Down on Fraggle Rock. So Fraggle Rock is a book that is full of fuckery <laughs> and further inflates oh, yeah? Jim Henson's fragile masculinity. Are you kidding? And right dreams now? of a corrupted utopia of a communal living space underground that is perpetuated by ritualistic beatings and manipulations. There are no beatings in this book. (laughs) Oh, wait. What are we talking about? Oh, Fraggle Rock. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This book was fine. It was good. This book was great. Okay, By the I, way, BK joining us now. Yeah, from can, the I say, booth. can I can I say hello, budget king? Sorry, guys. Uh, I've been on the edit booth this entire time. Sometimes we have editors. Last week it was Caitlin. Um, the only reason why we why I'm joining this podcast is because I have an immense fucking love for Fraggle Rock. Speak on that. I was raised by television in a lot of ways. During, which is not everybody's, everybody goes through their parents getting divorced, but I was like a little bit of like moving around and bullshitty stuff like that. And Fraggle Rock was my security blanket during that period of time. What I have to say is that I I have this, like if people mention Fraggle Rock, if I think about it or any like idea about it, I just, I feel good about it. I really... Red was my like character who I really identified with. I really loved her a lot, even though she had probably has the least character development. And we're not we're giving this we're not, I'm giving this away a little bit, but this comic book made me feel nostalgic just the same way about the show that I do feel today about that show. What is a fraggle? You're looking at it. Okay, the fraggles live under the earth. Which is a fucking awesome concept. The the alien the alien was fracking like determined the after Fraggle. Oh, oh no! The uncle of Moki he actually go and like discover the aliens, which he like just studies humans. So he'll, like tell you about like France or something like that within the episode. He's like the Mister Weasley. Yes. That's exactly what he's doing. Perfect. Um, I'm into it now. <laughs> and then, so the frag. What's, what's really fucking awesome about the Fraggles is like, it is a microcosm of the Fraggle society. So there's a ton of Fraggles, but like you're just getting this friend group of the Fraggles. It's the five of them. It it has so many layers. Trash heap. There's just I love yeah. trash so heap. in in, in Fraggle, Fraggle Rock. Rock. Yeah. You can Number call it that. one, monkey. 
who is a character, loses her muse. Right. Right. Yeah, she's an artist. She's an artist. She wants to paint something, but she can't. There's nothing more intimidating than a blank canvas. And you just gotta put and something you on guys, it. Can you guys just back me up on that? What's so yeah, I can. Totally. This is why you just gotta I, put something on it. This is why Doesn't I'm a producer because I can't handle a blank canvas. Oh. I need y'all to give me your voices <laughs> so I can edit it. It's like my favorite. Yeah, you're the artist. Yeah. Okay, so, so I'm just wanna, I just want I just want to correct you guys a little bit. <laughs> Her name is Moki. Moki. So the trash heap. <laughs> Wait. God damn There's it. no end. You, Mike. <laughs> the you trash. Did you, Mike? Did you ever watch Pocahontas? <laughs> oh no. Matt Hodep is leaving the studio. Uh, but continue. God damn it! I feel like a fucking idiot. A monkey. <laughs> <laughs> um, what'd you say, Caitlin? Did you ever watch Pocahontas? Yes. Do you know the willow tree? Go on. The grandma (laughs) willow? Yes. That's like Trash Heap. Yeah. Yeah, they're the same character. Except for that, the one one thing about Trash Heap is when they leave, she'll like contradict herself. She'll be like, she'll essentially be like, those idiots are like, she essentially puts them down like, why are they listening to me? Well, I love the idea that your like God figure that's like the all wise one is a pile of garbage. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. So even though Jim Henson is past, I feel like this comic kind of encapsulates the essence of Jim Henson in that this is, this could very easily be a children's story. I you would could, 100% read this to any fictional children that I have. Yeah. Totally. You could give this to a kid and they'd love this story, but there's something tragic about it and really real about it that yeah. that I can connect with. And That's every I, Jim Henson story. Yeah, I felt yeah. like I felt like going through it that it was kind of somber and I was like, man, I, I can identify with this. this yeah. It's not somber. It's telling you that you have a purpose, and it's yeah. connecting with a very vulnerable part in everybody that we don't talk about ever. And it's also it's a so super personal yeah, yeah. purpose. Like, like two weeks ago, I started, got to. I started going to therapy. <laughs> like, I started yes, going to therapy. Yeah. And it's not me. I'm not his counselor. <laughs> no. Um, I started going to therapy, and I've been thinking a lot about, I used to do a lot of writing, personal writing, and I stopped doing that because I've been working in media editing you fuckers and <laughs> you're welcome i've been thinking about I've, th- I've been thinking a lot about the utilitarian aspects of product creation and that has sort of dragged me down and for anyone who's in that place this is a great book because this book reminds you that creating can be for its own sake just the act of creating and even as an adult like this is definitely a book that will resonate with children but I think it kind of steps its game up to a level where adults can resonate with that too, where you might feel like you want to create something and there's no point to it, but you just want to make it because you want to, and that's important. The closest thing that I can compare reading this book to is watching the trailer for the documentary about Mr. Rogers. (laughs) That's exactly right. Uh, Oh, yes. I feel like watch the fucking movie, you'll be in tears. Well, I can't (laughs) because I can't cry for two hours. This is something straight. This is something I think about a lot, which is the older I get, the more I feel myself wanting to return to more childish to poop um, corner. In, in <laughs> products to more to more innocent childish products and thus this podcast <laughs> <Ta-da>! <laughs> the truth the, the truth corner. is is that uh, innocence is beautiful 
And yeah. when that gets killed out of you, <laughs> uh, everything's just dark. And, <laughs> and Venomous. Yo, perfect segue. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm going to dip out. That was Fraggle Rock. Thanks for having me uh, be on this <laughs> podcast today. <laughs> Next up uh, on Marvel Comics, the wickedly divine Venom, number one. We're very excited for this book because one of our favorite authors writes it, Donnie Gates. There's also a guy, Ryan Stegman, on this. Wonderful artist. He's a da-bam. Let's get into how good Venom was. Guys, I think that we were all a little bit confused by Beowulf being introduced into this first initial few pages but i think what's happening is we're getting a glimpse back through earth's history previous to our venom knowledge we didn't know that the alien symbiote costume existed on earth in other forms before spider-man was introduced to the suit in uh, secret wars number eight I have a question. Please. Uh, is Beowulf a character in Marvel Comics? Not because at all. I am uninitiated <laughs> yep. there. That's not a thing. I think that they were like, some history bullshit. Oh, Beowulf. Do you think that we're going to get flashbacks to that? Because Beowulf probably was able to kick the symbiote out of... Oh, shit. Earth? What? Damn. Ba- so they're referring to Beowulf, so mm-hmm. they're... Th- they're thinking that this character, Beowulf, can Beowulf. defeat this demon. Do you think he'll be referenced again, or is it just a one-off? My interpretation of this initial setup was just that we were supposed to have an idea that there's more to the symbiote race than had we'd previously yeah. assumed in the Spider-Man universe. So I wouldn't be surprised if this never came back again. Gotcha. I would yeah. like that so much more. If it had a purpose for being It would be cool. Can I, like, there's those really corny CW shows, and they Mm. all follow the same formula, which I love. Mm. A lot of them... I just started watching Black Lightning, by the way. Oh, yeah. A a lot of them follow this format where, like, there's a present-day storyline, and then there's a past storyline. And you keep waiting and waiting and waiting for the stories to converge, and they just, like, never do. You're like, when is the first point? Like meet the end point of the flashback story. Never. Uh, it would be. It's like it would people, be cool if they did this with this comic. Yeah, people took up J.J. Uh, Abrams' mystery box mm-hmm. and totally missed the point. They were just like, <laughs> "We're gonna make yeah. a mystery box and put it in the corner and never open it." Yeah, like, right. Put it over there. <laughs> totally. So yeah, I don't. I don't know that this intro section is going anywhere, but it's intriguing. Whatever. Um, we find out there's if you're a Marvel head, you've you've known that. Venom has gone through some things. If you're just a peripheral Venom fan or you heard Donny Cates was doing this book and want to jump in, I feel like it works for you too. Eddie Brock, who is the original Venom character, is now helming the symbiote suit again. He's the classic Venom from the original comic book Marvel storyline. Um, and Topher Grace, right? Topher Grace. Yeah. <laughs> the true embodiment of what this character is and ever will be. One of the things that I really loved about this comic that it immediately did uniquely was that it took a look at 
the symbiote's relationship with Eddie Brock. Like, we get some personality and vulnerability from suit, the Venom suit, right? Like, it has a dependency on him, and Eddie is codependent on the suit, and they have this love-hate relationship. It almost seems like a an abusive relationship. Like, you imagine, like, two people meeting in their AA group, and then they, like, right. fall in love and enter this, like, spiral of addiction and love and terrible... Relationship. Spider-Man initially rejected the suit mm-hmm. because of this. Like, he felt the suit was taking too much control of him, wanted him to be something he didn't want to be, and he spurned it, which is why Venom kind of, like, takes the spider form still and comes after him for revenge. Right. For uh, people it, 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 who it aren't It feels very... jilted like a crazy ex-girlfriend. It does yes. give you a little yeah. bit of that right there in the yeah. first few yeah. pages. But if you have no idea, so it's kind one, of a nice one thing I will say point. for people like me that are like Spider-Man un, uninitiated, this book is super inviting. I knew nothing about Spider-Man or Venom, and I still loved reading this book. I, I think it did a great job of telling an awesome original emphasis on original. It's so annoying to be a Spider-Man fan and have like the same sort of things rehashed over and over again with no stakes. Right. This introduces a whole new layer to who and what Venom is independent of the people who possess the suit. Yep. It's always been a story about the human beings who wear the suit. Now we're getting some vulnerability in the suit itself. We're getting its history and some baggage that it holds, learning that it has a name. There's this great scene where this guy's kind of schooling Eddie on what he thinks he knows about the Venom symbiote suit. Yeah. And I'm slipping into a super nerddom right now, aren't I? I'm <laughs> no, like, that's what I was going to say, though. Glowing? He, yeah. he comes in and he's like, do you even know, like, its preferences? Like, is human its favorite form to bond with? Like, right. you don't even know this. Yeah, the temperatures like, it prefers and That's all why things, I like yeah. this more as, like, a um, suspenseful story of humans being just a tool that the symbiotes are using to fight a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the thing. I, and I think we're getting a narrative of the suit that's potentially saying, like, hey, I rejected my past. Like, I want to move on with you. Like, I want to be with you. Yeah, you're what's, you're what's important <laughs> you're to me guy. now. <laughs> totally. Yeah, and we get this really weird new look at the Venom symbiote oh. that is just, like, fucking sinister looking. I think it's the ones brutally that are, awesome. Like the ones with yeah. the spiral? And the, yeah. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, look, they don't have, like, the eye shape. There's certain uh-uh. things that I think the Venom suit took from Spider-Man initially, yes. right? Yes. And then we're we're bailing on those things now. We're getting more of a true look at what the Venom suit is in its natural form. I just love the fact that it's having like so, an intelligent dialogue with this character. I think that's what's brilliant about this. And we were talking about possibly covering JLA. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> The reason we didn't cover it is because it was too big, it was too massive, it was trying to it was doing the most. What I think is this divergence is that Marvel understands that you cannot put the highest stakes. If you make the stakes about the personal stories of the characters, people will get invested. If you mm-hmm. make the stakes about how how much is gonna get destroyed, who's the most powerful? Those stakes just aren't as compelling. Yeah, which except if also you're Avengers number one <laughs> harkens back to <laughs> Avengers number one. Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah, uh, 
Venom ultimately does a great job at all the things we just talked about. There's a, like, a beautifully tragic scene at the very end of this book that wraps it up where the Venom suit retreats from Eddie Brock, and he's like, I feel like I'm calling to you and you're not here, and it's such a bare and naked and vulnerable feeling, and I'm just charging onward. And it's still talking to him, right? Like, it's yeah. not like, and it's like, it forced it, me. It, and like, it, it I didn't comes, want it to. It comes back, and it's like, I didn't want to leave you. It's like, it, it's like a love story between him and He's learning how to appreciate the other it at part the of beginning. Him, right? scared. Yeah. yeah. Man, an, an unhealthy relationship from the start. I'm just surprised that, we haven't seen this before. Like it seems, yeah. it seems such yeah. like it an does. obvious story now. Yeah, and I'm just so pleased by this is what I'm getting. I'm like, you guys yeah. know this already. I haven't talked about it with Matt a lot. I'm just like diehard Spider-Man fan. It was the most accessible comic to me yeah. when I was even five, six years old. I've been reading it ever since. So I'm like heavily invested in who these characters are. Yeah, and I can say that I've never seen. Eddie Brock or the symbiote treated with such respect that they got treated with yeah. in this comic book. Adding it to my pull list, baby. <laughs> Put it in my box every week. I, I want to shell out my money and you pick said, up venom. <laughs> when you said one problem, I thought you were going to say the tongue because that's always been my one problem with venom. Yeah, where does all that tongue come it. from? I hate it. I have to be very honest. That's why I think venom never can really transition into the visual movie TV art. That tongue's holding him back. The tongue and like his mouth gets fucking huge. He's got like, that kiss tongue. Yes, that's Gene exactly Simmons. what I think of every time. Gene no. Simmons wish he had, no, had that doesn't tongue. Doesn't bother you? I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't skip on that tongue, please. Oh, no. I'm a perv and this has been Venom, number one. I feel from... like that needs to be like a sound bite that we have. Yeah. We just keep. Don't skip on the tongue. <laughs> Don't skip on the tongue, please. <laughs> and that does it for us here at FIC. We've had a lot of good times discussing these uh, new first issues that came out this week. Uh, we have to get back to cleaning our bunker because it's gotten kind of filthy with all these jars we're peeing in and all these kind of rotten fruit. We really don't have anywhere to store these fruits. It's guys. a different kind of fudge mansion now. Yeah, it's a fudge bunker. Mm-hmm. It's a little fermented, the mansion. Yeah, it's. we should probably head up to the top of At the, the time of this recording, it's 1.40 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> you could say we're slap happy. I'll just say we're dumb. <laughs> we are recorded at KCUR Studios. We are a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency Podcast family of frequency of fountains. <laughs> Our music is by Primary Color Music. Primary Color Music. Primary Color Music. <laughs> you can find us on all the social media, Twitter, Facebook. That's it. Thank, thank our special guest. Uh, we are edited and produced by some jackass from Chicago who is currently <laughs> sitting to my right name, Matthew Hodap. Matt. Thanks for coming in today. It was really fun. What a pleasure to have you here. Usually we badmouth you and you're not here, but now we can yep. badmouth you and you're right here to take the abuse. And today you made, you made us sound stupid because you had some great hot takes. and <laughs> we, yeah. were, yep. we were not prepared. We, did, we didn't meet the occasion. We no. were cold to your hot takes. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> I had a great time. This is fantastic. I believe you. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to do this again, just call ahead, please. <laughs> So we're ready for our sign-offs? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to try a new one because um, Budget King's not here to do a sign-off, and he usually does a wacky one, so I'm going to try a new character. Mm. Actually, it's not a new character. I mentioned in, mentioned him in a, another episode. His name's Hayseed, and he's my <laughs> alter ego. Well, hi, y'all. Uh, this is Hayseed here. I uh, really appreciate you all listening to First Issue Club podcast. Uh if I could just remind you real quick, when you get a six-pack of soda, please cut up the rings so the turtles don't get caught up in them, because it's a big problem. Ask Kevin Costner. <laughs> so he's liberal hayseed. Uh, yeah, well, that's a common misconception about us hayseeds, is that we're all gun-toting re- Republican bad boys. Um, all right, hayseeds, hayseeds out. Goodbye, hayseed. It was nice. Talk to you. <laughs> yeah, they're not that easy, are they, man? Yeah. Ah, got him! Got him! <laughs> uh, I have been Matt Hodap, and I never will be again. <laughs> Ooh, dark. Life changing experience. Fake will change. Yeah. Hey, I'm Mike D. And I thrust, I thrust, I pump, I pump, I move it up, I move it up, I take it down, I take it down, I take that booty, shake it all around, round, 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 Mike D. I am Caitlin Morosik, and I will show myself out. (laughs) You know what I mean? Bye, y'all.